podcast land here such a doubt episode 71 of cswr what do we talk on this show we talk about boxing kickboxing muay thai but mostly we're real heavy in the old mma scene today's episode 71 is going to feature my interview with bellator veteran bkfc fighter dave the caveman rickles probably the most consistent entertaining entrances in the history of mixed martial arts you want to talk about an animatronic Dinosaur? Yeah, he's done that, bro. <laughs> so we look forward to that later on in the show. Uh, this week's schedule is going to be as follows. We're going to have a little quick little blurb about Bellator 257, uh, just a few fights from them. My full UFC Vegas 24 breakdown. Of course, Drago's world-famous drop of the night. Our main card picks for next weekend's amazing UFC 261 with the three titles on the line. Q&A session with members of the Rhino Gang. Gang, gang. And then, like I said, the aforementioned Bellator veteran and current BKFC fighter Dave Caveman Rickles is the latest fighter to go 10 rounds of Rhino. So let's go ahead and get our swim chunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. Bellator 257. Uh, was on a Friday night. My man, tall Steve Mowry, Rhino gang, 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 came in, got a huge, beautiful knee on Sean Asher um, out of Kentucky, and he dropped him. And then he finished with a little bit of ground and pound. First round TKO for tall Steve Mowry. Remains undefeated in the heavyweight division of Bellator. Moving into the 205 division, we had UFC vet Corey Anderson get a TKO via ground and pound in the third round over D. Yagshimuradov. Uh, like I said, in the third round, that was the co-main event. And then the main event was the title fight for the light heavyweight. That was Vadim Nemkov, the champion, retaining against longtime veteran Phil Davis by unanimous decision in that one. All right, so that's our quick Bellator 257 recap. Let's go ahead and get into our UFC 24 prelims, or as the entire show will be known as Decision Fest 2021. <laughs> First fight at 135 was Tony Gravely versus Anthony Burchak. Uh, they clinched really early upon the break. Uh, Tony Gravely dropped Burchak with a beautiful shot. I don't think Burchak ever fully recovered from that. He did try a guillotine attempt. There was some heavy ground and pound from Gravely once he reversed it. Another takedown. I mean, the left hook really landed on Burchak in the uh, second. Dropped him. Tony, you know, jumped on him, landed a bunch of hammer fists, landed a bunch of ground and pound, got the quick victory in the second. Great win for Tony Gravely over the tough Anthony Perchak at 135. Then moving into Austin Hubbard versus Dakota Bush. Dakota Bush, late replacement, longtime member of the regional scene. Seen him in LFA and other organizations. Um, his nickname is Harry. And there was a lot of discussion in my, one of my group chats about if Bruce Buffer was actually going to say Dakota Harry Bush. Which he did not. <laughs> he looked like ESPN put the kibosh on that one. So Austin Hubbard, uh, again, another longtime veteran against the young late replacement Bush. He did a good job. He kind of weathered the storm early. Dakota really threw a lot of things at him in the first round. And Austin kind of, you know, he weathered the storm and then began to implement his quick, more clean. Uh, Austin had the more clean shots right down the pipe, whereas Dakota was throwing kind of more wild stuff, spinning stuff. Um, Austin Hubbard clearly, I thought, won the second and the third. Dakota won the first. He had a lot of takedowns, a lot of top control. Um, so, yeah, I got to give definitely I agree with the decision for Austin Hubbard beating Dakota Bush. Moving into 185 pounds, we had Bartos Fabinski versus Gerald Mearshart, the longtime submaster from over there at Rufus Sport. Um, basically, this one was pretty quick. Uh, you know, Gerald kind of pulled guard when Bartos got close. 
ended up slapping a kind of a guillotine, had him totally folded. And about just about two minutes into the first round, Gerald Neustart gets the submission over Bartosz Fabinski at 185 pounds. Then moving into another <laughs> split decision or what will be of many split decisions. We had Jessica Penne uh, after a four-year hiatus going against newcomer Lupita Godinez. This one was weird. Um, so basically when they were separate, Lupita would hit her and hurt her. And then when they would get close, Lupita would either slam her like it was a WWE match or Jessica would backpack her and really stay kind of suction cups to her, but not do a whole lot of damage. They ended up giving the day being the judges ended up giving Jessica Penny the split decision over Lupita at 115 pounds. I, I, I don't know, man. It could really could have gone either way. I, I probably would have leaned towards Lupita for doing damage and those amazing slams that she had, but Penny had a lot of back control, so I can also see why they gave it to her. Moving into the one that I was most looking forward to on the prelims, Juan Espino, tough winner versus Alex Romanov, both two big, huge heavyweights. Uh, this one was interesting. So Romanov got the early got the early takedown. I was like, well, that's that might be it. But Juan gamely reversed it, you know, got back up. They had a lot of clinch work. Juan had a beautiful judo throw of Romanov, seemed to tire him out. Um, I gave the first round to Romanov. I gave the second round to um to Espino. And then early in the third, dude, Romanov and Espino were clinched up. Juan threw like a little knee, like he was trying to knee the other uh, Romanov's thigh or whatever, and it hit him in the groin. It absolutely did. It didn't look like a devastating shot, but man, Romanov, it must have hit him just wrong. So there's two trades of thought. He either hit him just wrong where he really, really was hurt, which is what it seemed like, or he was exhausted and looked for the way out. So at that point of the fight, they had to go to the judge's scorecard. They Again, I would have given one round to, to Juan, one round to Alex, and then if you had to judge the first minute of the third, I would have given it to Espino, but they gave it to Romanov. He got the uh, he got the split decision. Moving into the 125 pound division, so this is our main card. Uh, you know what? Uh, yeah, we'll go this one first. I know this isn't exactly in sequential order, but this is how I've got them written. So this is how we'll go. So I've got Tracy Cortez versus Justine Kish at the 125 pound division. Like I said, uh, they came out swinging pretty good, and then Cortez got a beautiful takedown, led a nice hammer fist. This was this was pretty much the the mo motif of the fight, if you will. Kish would kind of circle around. Cortez would close distance, take her down, put a body triangle on. It, it was it was a decent fight. It wasn't the most exciting one in the world, but again, a split decision, which I thought was bullshit. Should have been a definite unanimous decision for Cortez. Split decision over Justine Kish, and thankfully the cage was not having to be hazmat cleaned up afterwards. Moving into Luis Pena, Violent Bob Ross versus Alex. Munoz uh, again. I didn't agree with this one per se. You know, this was a fun fight. Alex Munoz for the first two rounds was taking Luis Pena down a lot. Luis didn't do a whole lot of damage when he was on the feet. He landed a few things, but Alex was very resilient from those shots, and then kept his game plan of trying to take Luis Pena down. In the third round, Luis did a good job of keeping distance, landing leg kicks, inside kicks, jabs. He even threw a couple of. Uh, Weird, almost like standing axe punches of sorts. But again, I thought Luis Pena won the third and Alex Munoz won the first two because of the takedowns and the top control. But not what happened. They gave the, the split decision to Luis Pena at 155. So violent Bob Ross gets the win. Moving into 185 pounds, we have Abdul Razak Al Hassan versus Jacob Malkoon out of Australia. Uh, 
Abdul is known for his early finishes, right? He is super powerful, really, really strong striker. I didn't know anything about Jacob Malkoon except for he was 4-1. and one. I knew nothing about him. Jacob Malkoon and his team came up with the right game plan, which was take him, take Abdul down early, try to use as much ground and pound, or not ground and pound, as much position over submission, just try to wear him out. And that's exactly what they did. Um, it was really kind of Jacob being the grappler for all three rounds against Abdul, and he got the very clear unanimous decision in that one. So what's one way to, you know, <laughs> to to bypass getting hit in the head by somebody who's super-duper strong? Trying to take him down in MMA, dude, and that's what he did. So let's get into our uh, one of my most favorite fighters of all time, Andre Arlovsky versus Chase Sherman. This one was, was a pretty fun fight. It wasn't super high-paced, but they were both throwing a lot of strikes. Not a lot landed, right? But they were both throwing, kind of keeping entertaining, moving forward. Nothing was devastating. You know, nobody got, you know, bloodied up real bad or, or knocked clear out. But Andre Arlovsky got the very clear unanimous decision over the returning Chase Sherman from his foyer into bare-knuckle fighting. Uh, he's back in the UFC. I hope they give him another chance. I like Chase Sherman, and he's a fun guy to watch. But, man, Andre Arlovsky just will not go away. I got a great question about him later in the old Rhino gang, so stay tuned for that. So big win, you name decision for Andre the Pitbull Arlovsky. I love that guy. <laughs> All right, let's get into our main event. Robert the Reaper Whitaker versus Calvin Gastelum. This one was a great fight for Robert Whitaker, and Calvin really showed out well about how tough he is. But it was really a clear skill difference in what happened in the cage last night. It was Robert Whitaker all day. He hurt. He hurt Kelvin a lot. Kelvin was pressuring. Robert did a great job of countering, of keeping that jab pumping into his face all night. In the first round, he hurt Kelvin with a high kick. But Kelvin, being as tough as he is, you know, kind of regained his, um, you know, regained his his. His ability to get back into the fight, kept the pressure on. He was throwing more wild stuff, and Robert was throwing more clean, you know, technical strikes. That you know, threw a couple of takedowns in there, especially one in the fifth, just to kind of stamp it off. But it was really the tale of Robert Whitaker moving, uh, sticking and moving, getting away from and blocking Kelvin's big shots. Hats off to Kelvin Gaslam for trying really hard, man. But that was Robert Whitaker's night from start to finish. Great performance by Robert the Reaper Whitaker. Uh, yeah, we got another couple of questions about him and the Rhino Gang as well. So big win in the main event. And that was probably my most, the most entertaining fight to me in the in, in the entire card was the uh, main event. So uh, D Reigns, let's go ahead and give Drea a call and get her world famous drop of the night, followed by our main card picks for UFC 261. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and get into our world famous Drea's drop of the night. What do you got for us this week, my friend? Last night's UFC was a night full of decisions, but we did get a nice drop in the prelims uh, between Tony Gravely and Anthony Burchek. Uh, these guys were super active, really going at it. But in round two, Tony catches Burchek with uh, this quick left hook that drops him. And uh, Gravely lands a, a few more shots on the ground before the ref calls it off. Uh, it was such a quick effortless looking hook that just landed perfect so uh tony gravely you get my drea's drop of the night world famous drea's drop of the night for tony gravely all right so last night was decision fest it wasn't the sexiest card of all time we can all agree about that mm, however definitely. <laughs> looking forward to next week oh, oh my, my gosh <laughs> <laughs> so we've got ufc 261 pay-per-view this coming saturday unbelievable card so we have uh i got five on the main card right now is that what you have yes I do. okay 
So I'm going to go ahead and lead us off uh, between the fight of Jimmy Crute. Give me the Crute. Give me the Crute. And Anthony Smith. I've got Jimmy Crute, the young upstart, beating the old veteran, Anthony Lionheart Smith. I don't even like calling him Lionheart because the only Lionheart in my life is Julian DeCourcy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll go with I got Jimmy Crute winning my unanimous decision over Anthony Smith. What's, what's your call on that one, Drea? Um, I hate to do it because my heart is with Anthony Smith, but, um, I'm with you on that. I'm taking Jimmy Crute, um, doing a TKO round three though. I think, I think he's just going to take over and, and get the TKO in round three. All righty. Next moving into, I've got Uriah Hall beating former champion Chris Weidman via clean KO in the second round. What you call on that one? Future play, Adria? Uriah Hall round two TKO over Weidman. Okay. Okay. I could see that. All right. And then moving into our three belts that we have on the line this coming Saturday. I am so stoked. Okay. So we got <laughs> Valentina Bulashevchenko. I've got her beating Jessica Andrade, who I really like, but when you fight bullet, you lose, right? Mm-hmm. So I've got Bulashevchenko winning by a uh, unanimous decision over Jessica Andrade. What you call on that one? I'm in the same boat. I'm taking Shevchenko with the unanimous decision over Andrade as well. She's oh, tough, right. so I think it's oh, going to be a whole much fight. So, yeah. mm-hmm. um, then we got the 115-pound belt, and I've got Wiley Zhang over Rose Namajunas by TKO in the fourth round over Rose Namajunas. What's your call on that one? I am taking Wiley Zhang as well, but I think it's going to go the whole fight. They're both tough as shit, and <clears> I'm going to <throat> unanimous decision for, for Zhang. And then finally, our 175-170-pound belt is on the line. We've got Kamaru Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. I've got Kamaru Usman doing what Kamaru Usman does, and that's pressing uh, Jorge up against the cage, shoulder punching him, inside dirty boxing, foot stomps, knees to the knees. Uh, That's what I see happening a whole lot. I think I got Kamaru Usman by very clear-cut 50-45 over Jorge Masvidal. What's What's your take on that one, Drea? Right. I don't see this fight going any different from how the first fight went. So uh, like you, I have the Usman unanimous decision. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to be. So I hope you have some different picks on the prelims. Yeah, (laughs) I know. We're on the same page. Yeah. You won last night, but I, I was talking shit to you via text because I, <laughs> one I of them thought was... <laughs> the Espino Romanov was complete bullshit. Yeah. Um, but well, it is it is what it is. So Dre wins again by one last night. <laughs> so we'll see how we do on 261. Well, we always have at least a few off on the prelims. Oh, yeah. Our prelims are usually where we differ the most. Exactly. Just like last night. Exactly, dude. So let's go ahead and get our Twitter questions. we got some great ones this week. As uh, I'd love to give a shout out to the Rhino Gang for you guys taking your time to uh, write in some Twitter questions and record some voice questions. So I know our first one comes from our dear friend, Cyrus King from the Combat Corner pod. What do you have this week, Cyrus? Did anything from Rob's performance last night convince you that a rematch with Izzy will go any different? Yeah, dude. I thought two aspects of Rob's game really looked sharper, uh, sharper than ever, but especially since his last fight with Izzy. His footwork in the cage. He moves around so lightly now whereas before if you look at him from his early days he was very much like a you know plodding forward brawler type of guy he has really evolved into someone who really effortlessly kind of floats around the periphery of the cage sticks and moves i really loved his footwork that was first thing the second one was how well he was blocking kelvin's heavy shots now i grant you 
Kelvin throws wider, loopier shots, and Izzy is a phenomenal striker who throws, you know, straighter techniques. But Rob really did a great job last night that really stuck out to me of getting his hands uh, by his face, so blocking with a glove, blocking with his forearm. It looked better than his previous fight, so his hand placement defense was really outstanding last night. So those are two things that really stuck out to me is that he has improved since the first Izzy fight. So to me, yeah, those that, that really increases his chances against Izzy when they meet up. Uh, well, we don't know for sure if they're meeting up next, but whenever they meet up again, I think those are two areas who have vastly improved. And so, yes, I do see that uh, be giving him a better chance next time he fights Izzy. So great question, my man Cyrus. You guys have it already. Of course, check out the Combat Corner podcast with Cyrus King. Awesome, awesome stuff. All right, let's move into our homie, Raise the Sweet Potato. What do you got this week from up in Canada, dude? What do we do with Jeremy Stevens? His childish antics and infantile temper tantrum lead to a case of whiplash and a concussion for Drakkar Close, causing the last-minute loss of the co-main event. Having experienced the same effect myself from a malfunctioning roller coaster, I can tell you it's no joke. Stevens used the BS excuse that Close was being aggressive when, in actuality, he did the exact same thing Stevens did him, uh, himself did. Jeremy is on a five-fight losing streak and likely just cost the UFC quite a bit of money. Do you think either the UFC or commission will discipline him? And should the UFC cut him now or give close a shot at revenge by rebooking the fight? So first off, you're hundred percent right. Whiplash is no joke. And I'm sorry to hear that you had that experience on a roller coaster. That sounds horrible, my friend. Um, second, if it's me in charge, yeah, I'm probably cutting Jeremy Stevens. Uh, he, he should and probably will catch a fine from the Nevada state athletic commission. But if I'm going to speculate on what I think is actually going to happen, I think it will be a rebooking and their fight will happen. Uh, the UFC will play up the bad blood angle, right? They'll show that push over and over again, and they'll do like a vignette of Drakkar talking about how, you know, how he got whiplash from an concussion and how bad it made him feel and sick and everything else. So I think they will play up that angle as they tend to do. Um, I do think they will rebook it. I think Drakkar Close and Jeremy Stevens will fight. I don't think they'll give... Jeremy Stevens a fight against anybody else, right? I think they'll just let him fight Drakkar close. I hope Drakkar kicks his ass, not just because he's from Michigan, but because that was a bullshit move on Stevens' part to throw that uh, cheap shot push and injure him. So, yeah, that's where I'm at on that. So I do think they will be rebooked, and I hope Drakkar kicks his ass. That's where I'm at on that one. Thank you very much, my dear friend, Rachel Potato. Let's go ahead and get into our girl, Sin City Sarah. Sin City Sarah, what do you got for us this week? What is something MMA related that you're hoping to be able to do or experience this year? So I'm a little torn on this SCS. I'm a little torn. So I don't think there should be at this point, I don't think there should be indoor stadium shows happening. Uh, they're going to be. So I mean, my, my opinion doesn't mean shit at the end of the day, but <laughs> I would say in maybe a few months, if, uh, cases of the Rona have greatly reduced that if there is some sort of amateur event in Michigan or Northern Ohio, or maybe even Northern Indiana, which is outdoor, you know, at a baseball field or something like that. If there is an outdoor amateur event that only has like a couple hundred people and maybe 10 or 15 amateur MMA fights, I would love to go see live fight again or boxing too, for that matter. Um, I love 
I love going to events. I love going to particularly amateur and club level pro because A, they're way less expensive. B, you get really close to the cage. And then C, you're seeing people on the come up, right? So you can kind of get a an idea of what you think there's is going to be next for them if they have pro potential, so on and so forth. So yeah, I would love to go back to a live event if it's outside and if it's kind of a low attendance kind of a situation. I would love, love to do that. So thank you very much, Sin City Sarah. All right, let's get into our fourth question because I'm our girl, APB. What do you got this week, APB? Cliff said he suffered a sprained neck and a concussion from Jeremy Stevens pushing him. Do you believe him, or do you think he's still jacked up from Benil Dariush punching his face off? I think it's the latter. I thought maybe his sprain, he sprained his vagina, but my mom said that you can't be a wuss and have a puss, so there goes that idea. <laughs> First of all... Amazing. <laughs> Second of all, I <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I don't think he was faking. I'm sure he was pretty weak and depleted from the weight cut, right? And that he was not prepared to get shoved like that. That that wasn't a typical weigh-ins face-off shove. That was a gnarly two-hand super shove. Um, it reminded me of my old bouncer days. You know what I mean? He really shoved him, and when they slowed it down, you saw the video. Drakkar's head really did snap forward. So I could totally see being in the physical condition that he was in, that really hurting him and getting whiplash and the um, concussion, dude. Uh, lastly, your mom is a genius and I love her. So I know you guys are <laughs> listening to this gonna later. <laughs> you were just going to say the same thing? Is that what you said? Uh, yes. I was like, okay, I love her mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. I talked to her earlier today and she was just the funniest and the coolest. And I know they're going to be listening later today. So to, to APB and, and Mama APB. Mwah. Thank you very, very much, my friends. All right, Drea, that is the conclusion of our Twitter questions. So you have already met all of your jobs, as we'll call them today. All of your segments have been knocked out of the park, and we appreciate you. So we will definitely look forward to having you on next week for the breakdown of the amazing UFC 261. All right. See you next week. All right. Let's go ahead and get to our voice questions. Dear Rhino Gang, our first one comes from our big homie, Juice. Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod with him and his homie, Leo. Juice, what do you got this week, my dude? What's up, Rhino? It's your boy, Juice, from the Friendly Sparring Podcast. I'm here for two reasons. One, I came to to grovel about Dracar Close and Jeremy Stevens. Obviously, that fight didn't happen, but it didn't happen because the shove that happened at weigh-ins from Jeremy Stevens caused a bit of an injury for Dracar Close, which made the fight get scrapped. And I still have the really bad taste in my mouth as far as Jeremy's concerned, so I concede. However, I want to talk about your boy, Andre Arlovsky. He picked up a nice win last night, and it seems like every time we think he's done, he reinvents himself, and he bounces back. But obviously, he's getting long in the tooth, pun intended. This is the fangs on his mouth guard. How many more fights do you think he has left? Let me know. Love you. Love the show. Yeah, homie. It was really unfortunate about the Stevens close fight. Um, again, I, I love I love Michigan fighters, and I will always support them, and I didn't like seeing that. 
it was a cheap shot. I'm not happy about it either, dude. So we'll see if they end up running it back. As far as getting into the Andre Arlovsky part of your question, I love Andre Arlovsky. I've loved Andre Arlovsky since before Affliction Shirts became a thing, dude. Before Survivor was the number one show back in 2000. When all the rage uh, on in the movie theaters was... Uh, was the perfect storm, dude. I'm talking about the era of the young rhino, man. My early 20s. I've loved this guy for so long. He's four and three in his last seven. So I think as long as he doesn't take a bad, like brutal KO, we're going to see Andre Arlovsky for another year or two, maybe three or four more fights, bro, before he can. I mean, really, uh, unless he gets like devastatingly stopped. I see Andre Arlovsky. Staying in for another couple of years, man. Maybe three or four more fights. I really do. So big ups to Andre Olavsky, man. Love that guy. I hope he goes until he can't go no more. So thank you so much, Juice. Great question. If you guys have already, of course, check out Juice and the Friendly Sparring Podcast. Funny, funny stuff. Great takes. Good, 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 good time to listen. All right. Let's move into the next question, which comes from our OG, the big homie, Jim Asun. Jim, what do you got this week, brother? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Rhino and Rhino gang, hope everyone's doing well. Whitaker, what's next for him? It's a title shot, I know. Like, fuck, it has to be, right? But I've seen fucking people online saying fucking give him fucking Vittorio or whoever else. Like, that's fucking stupid. You know what I mean? The guy's gone 3-0 since he lost the title. Like, give him the fucking rematch. Come on. You know, I know Izzy and Izzy stands fucking don't like him, but too fucking bad. Uh, anyways, that's my quest for you this week. Keep up the great work. Oh, and by the way, Mystic Mosfidal called it to ask me to bounce his head off that canvas and lose in the first round. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let that sink in. Because I know you all hate Mosfidal. You know it's always 420. Dude, I'm a, I'm a thousand percent with you, OG. It's got to be a rematch with Izzy for the belt. Um, I think that's what should be next. Vittori's last three wins, while impressive, being Holland, the Joker Hermanson, and Roberson, is a good resume, right? But if you're putting it up against Robert Whitaker's resume, you're talking about Kelvin, Jared Cannonier, Darren Till, then he, the loss to Izzy, and then going back two more fights, beating Yoel Romero twice. Resume to resume, to me, not even close. I think it should absolutely be Robert Whitaker next for Izzy for the 185-pound belt. I, I, do I know for sure it was going to go differently? I don't know for sure, but that's why we have the fights. I think he's the next best guy besides Izzy Adesanya, and I think that's who should be the next fight for the belt. So I'm with you, my friend. Thank you very much, Jim. Okay, let's get into our another another one of our Canadian homies. We got we got my man Dave Fretz, the Iron Side of Graphic Design. What do you got this week, my dude? Hey, what's up, Rhino? This is Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz on Twitter and Instagram. Got a question for you today regarding uh, – the Ben Askren, Jake Paul fiasco. Uh, I didn't watch it. I won't watch it. I can't stand that that stuff. Uh, but don't get me wrong. I don't misunderstand. Ben Askren just made five hundred thousand for that, uh, plus any anything else. I don't know what all the deal was. But uh, what do you think the fallout is from all this? Obviously, we're going to have more MMA fighters trying to cross over. And do these things, but the and and to be honest, I don't mind. I, I guess maybe against pro boxers, but this YouTube stuff, uh, it, it's creating such a circus. It feels, um, uh, feels super wrong, and it really bothers me. 
I'm just wondering what you see as a fallout to this and what, what you think it's doing to the sport. Uh, anyways, man, talk to you soon. Okay, I, I didn't want to talk about this too much on the show, but I will address it now. Real boxing fans know that this is just a gimmick or a, a ridiculous version of our sport. It's not an all-representation of what our sport means. And I say our because I can say our as a longtime pro boxer. There are too many other people who are going to see it who are what we would call casual or people who don't even know much about boxing who think now that this is what boxing is. YouTube people versus quasi-celebrities versus you know MMA fighters or whatever. This is not indicative of the incredibly rich history that boxing has. Don't get me wrong. It's full of terrible, undesirable, uh, un- not okay things that have gone on in its history. But the overall grand scheme of boxing is a it is a beautiful, f- fantastic sport that is full of sacrifice and heart and all the skill that it takes to be great at it. That's a real boxer. Okay, that's the sad fallout that I think goes on when you see these kind of circus style boxing matches right i didn't watch it i didn't want anything to do with it i'm not going to watch their next one or the one after that i hope these youtubers eventually get their comeuppance and fight real fighters if you're going to call yourself a boxer you got to fight other boxers dude you can't fight you know an MMA, mma fighter who is only known for his grappling or a former nba player or whoever else he's fought or another youtuber you have to fight other boxers to be a boxer i'm sorry that's just the way it goes i don't know what effect it eventually is going to have on my health down the road, but I paid the price, dude. Okay. I sacrificed for real. All the other people in my fraternity who were pro fighters, we sacrificed for real. Okay. It pisses me off to hear you say things about CTE and and, and act like you're a real fighter or anybody else on that card. It just, mm, it, it sticks in my craw. It's not a representation of the actual sport of boxing and the parts of it that I actually love and sacrificed for. So no, I, I, I don't like the fallout from this at all. And again, I will not ever be participating and probably not bringing them up uh, again on further shows when they have um, cards in the future. So thank you very much, my brother, Dave. Once again, fantastic artwork again this week, my dude, for Dave, um, for Dave Caveman Rickles. Amazing stuff, my broski. So that being said, we got to get into our last voice question, which comes from my homie D. Crons. We got real Canadian heavy voice questions today, and I'm all for it. D. Crons, what do you got, my dude? Hey, Rhino, what's going on, brother? Uh, I just noticed the time. I'm sure this is going to be late. Sorry, boss. Um, I don't really have any questions about Decision Fest last night. Um, I don't even want to talk about that other thing. (laughs) Worst hands in combat sports. Um, I guess my question would be uh, regarding Bellator. Why on earth would they put Yoel versus Rumble as like one of the first fights? That's beyond me. I would have liked to have seen them, you know, tear through the whole bracket and, you know, kind of be the the finale. I'm just wondering uh, if you have any thoughts on why they do that. Uh, have a happy Sunday, everybody. Rhino gang. So here's what I think why they put Yoel versus uh, Rumble first, dude. It's to create the guarantee that those two guys actually face each other. The scary part about when you have tournament-style uh, fights going on is that oftentimes you don't get to see the fight that's like the most intriguing, right? The, the best matchup that could possibly happen, which for most of us is, in this Bellator tournament, is Rumble Johnson versus Yoel Romero. 
Um, I, I hearken back to the Super Six, and I've referenced this before on the show, which was, I don't know, 10 years ago or maybe uh, maybe more. It was the best six super middleweights in the world, all kind of round robin fighting each other. We never got to see the Andre Ward versus Andre Jarrell fight. That's the one that I think most of us in boxing really wanted to see the two probably best skilled guys at the time, the fastest hands, the best defense. I mean, it was just going to be such an amazing fight and they didn't get to fight. Right. So I think that that is kind of the reasoning behind it. They have to make sure they're going to get their best one because if one of them were to lose and they're not going to fight each other. Right. So that's the only reason I can really come up with. And that's the one that only makes sense. Uh, to me as well. So thank you so much, D. Kranz, my another Canadian broski. All right, if that's going to be the conclusion of our voice questions, let's go ahead and get into our 10 rounds with Dave the Caveman Rickles after a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, Rhino Gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? We'll look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen of the Rhino Gang, we've got ourselves a very special guest joining us today, going 10 rounds in Rhino. You may know him as the greatest entrance that Bellator has ever seen with the animatronic <laughs> fucking dinosaur, the <laughs> caveman himself, David Rickles, has joined us today. Thank you so much for hanging in with us, sir. What's up, man? How you doing? Oh, we're doing great. We're so stoked to have you on, bro. I've been a fan of yours for forever. This was a... Uh, this is a real treat for me. So, again, David, thank you so much for joining us today, dude. Um, yeah. Let's go ahead. And, yeah, man, for real. Let's go ahead and dive right in, bro. So, number one, number one with the question for the 10 rounds of Rhino is almost always the same. I, we love to hear the backstory. Like, how would you first get in, involved in the wacky world of MMA, dude? Man, believe it or not, like, <laughs> I had another nickname for a while, too. It was a Suburban Kimbo Slice, man. Uh, we used to we just I, we had lots of fights in the backyard growing up in uh, uh high school and it was my backyard specifically and um you know anywhere from 200 kids showing up to after high, after school gets out to to watch fights and stuff like that we got ran off by the cops quite a few times i got grounded quite a few times for being a dipshit so <laughs> i'm sure my parents were happy to see it panned out <laughs> So it started with the backyard fights, and that's kind of the uh, genesis story is how you kind of went ahead and found a gym and got started at MMA? Yeah, so uh, I was pretty good at backyard fighting other high school kids, and then I, I joined a you know a real kickboxing gym and 
kickboxing uh, jujitsu gym and got the shit kicked out of me. So uh, I decided I needed to learn that. As we all do when we first join the gym, the first thing you learn is how to take a beating. (laughs) (laughs) So, bro, after a 14-year career in MMA, going back to your amateurs, a very successful 21-6, and I might add, you've made the move to Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. What kind of prompted the switch? Um... Well, me and Bellator had some, like, discrepancies on pay and what was going to happen moving forward, and um, our relationship kind of fell apart. And then, uh, man, another door opened up, and it happened to be Bare Knuckle. I've been friends with uh, Sean Wheelock uh, for a long time. He's a Kansas City guy, and uh, he just gave me the call, man. And um, I don't know. Shit looked fun. I've been watching it, too. I was watching it. I never really thought I'd do it, but, man, it's it, I loved it. Right, right, right. Uh, my homie Ike Valley Flag was kind of the one who got me into watching Bare Knuckle. And then, of course, the uh, Artem and, uh, and Jason Mississippi Mean Fight really kind of hooked me. So, yeah, I'm definitely into uh, Bare Knuckle Fighting, which, you know, it's kind of funny. So it, my question, my third round, the question was, um, you were with Bellator, and I don't want to get into specifics because that's none of our business, but uh, you were with Bellator for over 20, 20 fights. That's a really long time to be with the same promotion. Um, so you basically kind of alluded to already. It was just kind of uh, some some business decisions that made you guys split split ties, correct? Yeah, basically. Uh, I think, man, Scott Coker was always really weird about me. I, I kind of had my last fight was like, I don't really – I fought Yaroslav Almasov. I think I'm saying his name right, but he's a 21-0 wrestler, dude, wrestler, jiu-jitsu fighter. And um, we just had a really boring fight, and um, they they were not happy about that. So so I think that's kind of why things panned out. But, man, I was trying to bang shit. He just wanted to hold me down on the ground, though. So Sure. Well, we, we, we know what a typical Dave Rickles fight looks like, bro, and I, we know that, dude. Well, I'm about to say it like that. I, you know, 99% of the time you're getting pure violence. You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, dude. Everybody else who's been watching you for a long time know that's the absolute case. Yeah. Um, so, dude, you, you kind of say uh, you used to have a different nickname, the Suburban Kimbo Slice, but now it's the Caveman, and it's been the Caveman for a while. Where yeah, did oh, that yeah. nickname come from, and who gave it to you? How did that come about? Um, Man, it... Uh, it like any good nickname, the truth is it, it should come from everybody else. And, right. uh, you know, the, the guys I just had, man, growing up, I I was a young cat in the gym, um, but I had this long hair and a scraggly little not even fully grown in yet beard. And uh, <laughs> I'd always be walking in. I, a lot of times I'm walking in the gym super hungover and <laughs> the guys would just look at me and like, God damn it. You, you caveman. Why are you wandering in right now? You know, like they'd just be talking hell of shit. Uh, and so it just started and stuck. I kind of, find, <laughs> find you know, so it, it's, it's like, one of the most unique and, and best nicknames in the history of the landscape of combat sports, dude. It's super fitting. It's been a great gimmick for lack of a better term for you to, uh, to play off of. Which leads me directly, perfectly into my next question, bro. The caveman persona has seen you do these extravagant ring entrances, right? With the right. club and with the yeah. cloaks and with the animatronic dinosaur. I mean, all these things. 
Was that something that you kind of always wanted to do early on in your career, but you really had to wait for the right time? Like, where did that kind of come from, these these extravagant and over-the-top amazing ring entrances? No, it actually didn't really – I mean, I've always been, like, a showman. Like, I always, like, even in my amateur fights, was trying to get people hyped up and stuff like that. But, but um, no, it was actually one of my cornermen's ideas one time. Like, when we started fighting for Bellator and going out of town – for almost all of my fights, right? Um, he's like, these people don't know you. We got we to gotta make them see you. You know what I mean? Like, we have to give them a reason to remember you. And so he came up with – it wasn't even a, a caveman anything, but we were. I was fighting in Miami, Oklahoma. So we bought, like, shades and uh, cocksucker hats <laughs> and uh, <laughs> all sorts of shit. But it was Miami, Oklahoma, so the joke was that we were fighting in – Miami so we dressed up like we were at the beach right 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 and uh as dumb as that was people thought it was pretty funny and uh that was kind of the uh the start of it then I was like well my name's caveman I gotta do caveman shit so uh I can't even remember what the I think I just got the club man I think I just walking out with the club and I was like (laughs) well maybe I should get a spear so I walked out with a spear for a little while Uh, then the Flintstone car and then like the dinosaur obviously so, you know, it all just kind of evolved uh, from it working. You know what I mean? Like people, sure. like, you know? Yeah, dude. Would, would that have been at the, if you were in Miami, Oklahoma, can I assume you were going to fight at the uh, Buffalo Run? That's where I fought, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I had a, I had a, offered a fight there one time, and it was a horrible matchup for not nearly enough money, so I, oh. I turned it down. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, that's the only time I knew about Miami, Oklahoma, is they got that Buffalo Run Casino that's had had some great fights over the years, dude. Um, so your last fight was in 2020 for the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. Have you been in talks with them? Do we have any idea where we might see you back in the BKFC ring or, or possibly a return to MMA? Do we know kind of maybe we might see uh, the caveman return to action? Very soon. I'm actually working on something right now. Um, and, uh, you know, I actually love bare knuckle fighting, and um, but it probably won't be bare knuckle. They're busy, man. They just they, – they, they can't come to Kansas yet either because uh, there's still some, like, covid restrictions and stuff like that i think they're a little bit afraid to do stuff here mm-hmm. um they know i fill up the the stadium so they've been trying to use me at home obviously you know it makes financial sense because i'm a promoter as well like i get it and they have a they they've got a you know a big roster of fighters that they want to get on these cards and um so they've just been busy right but i'm working on something else right now we gonna have a k-man fight in june so oh we already know that we already know the month dude i love yeah. it yeah Yep. Yes, man. Yeah, we all look forward to hearing about that whenever it comes to uh, where we can talk about it. Yeah, I can't wait till I can announce it. I, I want to make sure everything gets panned out with uh, contracts and stuff like that. Of and course. Then, yeah. Got to make yeah, it. Dude, yeah. <laughs> we all know about that. We all know about that life, my friend. So, right. again, you, it's almost like you. I read these ahead of you, and I really didn't. The world knows I did not read these ahead of you, but you just kind of segued perfectly. You're a proud Kansan man, dude. There is, you are a proud Kansan. There is nobody who screams Kansas more than Dave the Caveman Rickles, dude. So Kansas is a beautiful state for those of us who have been there and been able to see it. Um, It's got an expansive outdoors, lots of lots of stuff to do away from the cage, away from the ring. Of course, we're not talking about family times. Of course, you know, you spend time with your family. But I mean, away from that, like hobby wise, are you an outdoorsman? Is there something you really like to do away from? Uh, training and away from family just for you and like fun chill time 
camping, fishing, hiking. Um, Kansas doesn't have it, but I love mountains, man. Like I did uh, uh, six nights, seven days through the Appalachian Trail. And um, I don't know. I just love being outdoors, man. Kind of fit for a caveman, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say here, that's perfect. That's right on brand for you, dude. Right. Uh, were, were you Were you over in Kentucky or North Carolina or where Where'd you go in the Appalachian? Actually, yeah, uh, Kentucky. Okay. Okay, that's uh, yeah, that's some beautiful country as well, dude. Um, yeah, you're right. There are no mountains in Kansas. There's no mountains here in Michigan either. So we got to travel if we're gonna do some hiking up there in the mountains, bro. Um, so, Dave, your career, like we talked about earlier, super successful. 21-6 at a very high level is a phenomenal record um, at this stage of your career. You've only lost to, like, the super top, top guys in MMA, right? But you, you love bare-knuckle fighting. We know you're good at it because we've seen you do it. If you could rematch one of your losses, like avenge one of them, not in the cage, but in the BKFC ring, who do you think you would choose? Um... Man, I you know just bare knuckle fighting. I'd really yeah. like to fight Michael Chandler again. <laughs> sure, I really sure. I was kind of hoping you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, I just man, I you know our first fight was really bad for me, right? Well, my second fight, I started to find some land some good shots and whatnot. I felt a lot better, and then I got clipped. My nose broke. Um, I actually felt like I could have kept fighting in that fight, but they stopped it a little early. But Man, I just – I re that was the one fight, man, that I was like, I really, really want to fucking beat this guy. You know what I mean? Sure. Made me train harder than any time I've ever trained. And, uh, man, I think the third time's a charm for me. <laughs> <laughs> so we could get that trilogy, but yeah. it be in the BKFC yeah. right now. I, I think he might be UFC champion soon, so we'll see. Well, he's got, he's got a big test in Oliveira, and I'm really looking forward oh, to it. Oh, he definitely does. There. He definitely yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> right, dude. Yeah, I was hoping you were going to say Michael Chandler when I wrote that question. I was like, well, I hope he says Chandler. Um, yeah. So, yeah, dude, now we're in the ninth round. And the ninth round also, David, is always the same. When you have already done your training camp, you've had your fight, it's time to really smash some good food that you've been avoiding the entire time during camp. What are you indulging in? What are you getting? And where are you getting it from? Crab Rangoons. Anyway, <laughs> anywhere doesn't matter. I'll, I, I've actually sat down at buffets and ate just crab rangoons until I had to quit. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I'm not a seafood guy per se, but I know even people who say they're not seafood people, they love crab rangoon. I mean, it's essentially like diced up crab in a sauce inside of a, like yeah, a deep it's fried a wonton, cheese. right? Yeah, it's cream cheese, man. That, that's really what it is. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Fucking fried fried shell around cream cheese. That shit is bomb. <laughs> it sounds amazing. I, I got to do it. I definitely got to give it a try, even though I'm not a uh, seafood guy. Uh, so no, dude, it, it doesn't matter. It, it nothing nothing about it at all tastes anything seafood at all. A lot of places don't even use real crab. <laughs> I, I dude, I'm sold. I'm sold. I'm definitely gonna give it a shot next time. I'm gonna. Uh, uh, a place where you can get crab rangoon for sure. So, Dave, man, we have careened our way into the 10th round. Now, the 10th round with Rhino is where you let us know where everybody, not just myself, but everybody who's going to be listening, where we can follow you, what are your socials, how do we keep track of the caveman moving forward so we can be fans and keep track of everything that's going on with your career? Um, just follow me on Instagram or Twitter. It's uh, the caveman316. That's the best way to do it. 
The Caveman316 on Twitter and IG. We have got it. Dave, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time today. I know you had a busy, crazy day with, uh, you know, working on uh, cars or machinery of some sort. I own two car washes, so yeah. yeah. Right. And I I know you had a crazy day, and I can't tell you how much we appreciate you taking the time out and uh, going 10 rounds of running with me today, buddy. Now, yeah, it was fun, man. This is Dave the Caveman Rickles, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Dave Rickles, my man, you were such a great interview, dude. I appreciate you so much. You and I have never really communicated before, and it was great to get to know you on this level, on this platform. What an outstanding interview. Great guy. Really hope nothing but awesome for you. Can't wait to hear what that uh, teaser was about your fight in July. Or June, maybe. It was the summer, I remember for sure. So thank you so much again, Dave. Let's go ahead and get into our outro and our shout-outs to this week's contributors. My man, Cyrus King from Combat Corner. The homie Raging Sweet Potato. My girl, Sin City Sarah. The wonderful, amazing APB and APB's mom. Thank you so much for participating as well. Of course, to Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod. The OG Jim Massoon. Of course, the Einstein of Graphic Design. You can check out at Dave Fretz on Twitter and Instagram. My homie Dave Fretz. And then the big homie D. Kron's Bat and Cleanup. Thank you guys all so much for participating. Of course, I want to shout out some more people in the Rhino Gang. Thank you to all the ladies in the PRG. My man Marquise from Week Sauce Radio. All the peeps in the Rhino Gang GC. Gang Gang. Our girl Brat. Ashley the MMA Nerd and her rebrand of the Silly Lil Podcast. I Honestly, you guys totally check that out. She's amazing. She not only talks about MMA, but pro wrestling and movies and music and food. And it's just awesome. It's an eclectic mix. She is so great on the air. I love my dear friend Ash. Of course, to my girl Pokemama. Thank you so much for posting your picture with the Rhino Gang sweatshirt on, man. That thing did. Everybody loved that one. <laughs> it was awesome. Thank you so much, Pokemama. Of course, both lovely Pamela's, my dudes, Mike Morgan and Kairos from the Shots Fire Pod. And of course, to the Triple D, the feature play, Andrea. To D Reigns, the best engineer in the biz. Of course, the Einstein of Graphic Design, my man Dave Fretz. Thank you guys. You guys are the backbone of this operation. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Be kind to each other this week. Take care of your mental health. Reconnect with a friend or a loved one you haven't talked to in a while. Black Lives Matter. And we will see you next week. K-Sign!